Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Snuffles supported independent tech news directly for five years. You can too. Be like Snuffles. Become a DTNS member at patreon.com slash DTNS. Snuffles is really what they signed up as. This is the Daily Tech News for Friday, May 31st, 2019 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. The only place I'd rather be more than here is the Galaxy's Edge. I'm Len Peralta. Speaking of edges, I'm on the edge of the L.A. County uh, Empire. My name is Roger Shank, the show's producer. And joining us today from Comedy Film Nerds, Chris Mancini back on the show. How's it going, Chris? Oh, it's going great. Great to be here. Well, Chris, you you got to go into Galaxy's Edge, the new Disneyland experience. And there's a lot of technology in there, I guess. It's a it's amazing, and not everything was even online. And uh, but what I saw was like next level, next generation theme park for sure. We're going to talk um, to Chris about that a little bit later in the show. Let's start with a few tech things you should know. Uber's first earnings report since going public reported an adjusted two point two six dollars per share on revenue of $2.76 billion in line with analyst expectations. Uber reported a net operating loss of $1.01 billion. Overall revenue rose 20% on the year with ride hailing revenue growing at 9% and Uber Eats rising 89%. That's me. Sorry about that. Uh, BlackBerry Messenger has ceased operations as of Friday. It is survived by BBM Enterprise, now available for personal use on Android, iOS, Windows, and Mac. So pour a little out for BlackBerry Messenger. Google-owned DeepMind is now focusing on multiplayer games. In a paper published by Science, DeepMind researchers explained how they designed an AI system that was able to master Capture the Flag mode in Quake 3 by using AI agents playing with or against human opponents. DeepMind used data from 450,000 rounds of Capture the Flag, totaling four years of gameplay completed over just several weeks. And Gao Feng, a spokesman for China's Commerce Ministry, announced the ministry will create an entity list of its own of unreliable companies in China that don't follow market rules, violate contracts, or block, cut off supply for non-commercial reasons, or severely damage the legitimate interests of Chinese companies, as well as posing a risk to national security. The government would take necessary measures against those on the list with further details promised soon. All right, let's talk a little bit more about Amazon, kind of a part two of yesterday's T-Mobile Sprint merger story. 
Exactly. Reuters sources say that Amazon is interested in acquiring the prepaid virtual carrier Boost Mobile. Boost is currently owned by Sprint, which recently committed to spinning off the service into an independent company as part of its merger plan with T-Mobile. Amazon is reportedly interested in Boost because then it would have access to the post-merger T-Mobile network for six years. The company is also reportedly interested in acquiring any Spectrum rights divested as part of the merger. Potential bidders informed Reuters that Boost Mobile could cost up to $3 billion, so which Amazon can afford. Yesterday, we talked about how T-Mobile and Sprint uh, might get approval for their merger from the Department of Justice if they could help create a fourth competitor uh, for the merged entity. Uh, well, it, it, I was going to say, isn't that the same price they paid for the Lord of the Rings? <laughs> yeah, to Amazon, they're like, oh, you know, Lord of the Rings series or create our own phone network. Uh, yeah. Not a big deal. So the, the question yesterday was, why would Sprint and T-Mobile do this? Uh, but the reason is to get the merger. And this would be a way to make some money uh, by selling a little bit of Spectrum to Amazon, giving Boost Mobile, which is not a, a carrier independent network. It uses the Sprint network right now, and it would use the combined network of T-Mobile and Sprint afterwards, but it would allow Amazon to develop it. I guess the question is, do we want Amazon to get into yet another business where our data is flowing. I I mean, it it makes sense that Amazon would want to try this. Amazon famously tries all sorts of things. uh, And, you know, not everything is as successful as some of its most successful ventures. But but in many cases cases it is. I, I was following the story this morning uh, on, on Twitter, and there are a few people who were sort of like, why would Amazon have to go through this, pro- like, go through this process, right? If, 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 if Amazon wants to get into wireless networks, do they need something like the Boost Network? I understand that, you know, you got your six years and everything, but it's like, it, it's almost as if Amazon could take another track and, and, and do this from scratch. This is actually a pretty easy way to do it, though. You just buy an existing MVNO and boom, you've got a network. You start signing people up while yeah. you build out your own infrastructure that you have more control over. So why not, like, as Chris pointed out, for the price of a Lord of the Rings series, <laughs> boom, you got yourself a network. Chris, yeah, it- and, uh, you know, the thing about Amazon, too, is, they're already in the house. You know, the call is coming from inside the yeah, house. Right, I right. mean, everyone has like Amazon accounts and, uh, you know, as everything becomes more and more um, almost like under one umbrella, you know, it, it kind of makes sense that uh, these companies are, you know, one company is doing literally retail um, content and, you know, mobile communications. It, it kind of makes sense in a not in a great way because of competition, but you can see why. Like, all right, well, we're in this. Why don't we get into this? Because they um, they they cross pollinate. And Bat Friend in our chat room points out that uh, Amazon uses LTE enabled Kindles, uh, and they used to run on the Sprint network. I don't know if the current ones do or not, but that would mm-hmm. be another you know yep. piece of synergy exactly. there. You know that they wouldn't have to worry about. Uh, Foursquare's first acquisition ever is placed. P-L-A-C-E-D, which it bought from Snap, S-N-A-P. Uh, terms weren't disclosed, but Place Are these found- made-up companies or are these real? <laughs> Snap is actually Snapchat's <laughs> they're, founder. They're real. They're, they're for sure yeah. real. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and okay. apparently Placed is real as well. Uh, terms weren't disclosed, but Placed founder and CEO David Shim will become president of Foursquare after this. Uh, Placed was previously Foursquare's biggest competitor, letting brands track the physical impact of a digital campaign or ad. Foursquare's competing product called Attribution 
will now be known as Placed Powered by Foursquare. So they're just merging them together. Foursquare CEO Jeff Gleck said, we believe location should only be shared when consumers can see real value and visible benefits driven by location. We remain dedicated to elevating the industry through respect for transparency, user control, and instituting layers of privacy safeguards. So in other words, as we get bigger and better at tracking where you actually are <laughs> while you're using your apps, don't get creeped out, please. You know, the, the, the funny thing about Foursquare and... It, That's a better tagline, by the way. It really is, yeah. <laughs> the funny thing is that, you know, you there there's so much... There's so much worry these days about, oh, you know, the apps are tracking you and you don't know it and blah, blah, blah. Foursquare and Swarm and 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 various products within the company are built on you willingly saying, I'm here right now. I'm going here right now. I've been here before. That That's part of the fun of the app if you enjoy the app. So in this sort of landscape of... of, of uh, you know, a, a lot of folks being, you know, paranoid with with good reason about this kind of uh, tracking data. It's interesting that the two biggest companies that do this are now one, one company. Hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's not only consolidation, but it's consolidation over tracking. So Foursquare is bending over backwards, trying to reassure you about this, but because the idea is you're using an app and you're near a store, you're near H&M, and the H&M app suddenly says like, hey, we see you're near a store, uh, get 20% off, walk in right now, stuff like that. Or, or you're using an app that has nothing to do with the store, and you see an advertisement for it, and you realize you're near the store, and you walk in. That's the kind of stuff placed by Foursquare, placed powered by Foursquare, is going to try to, to, to do. And, and as we know, people love being tracked. They have no problems. With yeah, and Amazon's probably going to buy them all anyway. So it doesn't <laughs> but you, yeah, you know, it's the kind of thing too. Whenever I use my GPS on my phone, there's nothing that drains the battery quicker. Mm -hmm. So you know, there's there's nothing better than than to get your battery life sucked out from uh, localized advertising. That will be even better. Agreed. The Wall, the Wall Street Journal sources say that Apple will soon begin limiting third-party tracking in apps that are in the kids section of the App Store. The information, as reported in a piece by Joanna Stern, about 80 apps she tested, all but one of which included third-party trackers for marketing ads or analytics purposes. Mac Rumors points out that there are no controls in iOS, at least currently, for limiting the tracking features that are used by apps. So well, that would be a good thing to add for sure. Yeah. Do you worry about this with kids? Uh, I have my kids' phones locked down, so I know they can't add apps without me, so I know what they're putting on. But at the same time, I don't know exactly what's going on in every single app, if it's getting data or, or what kind of ads it's putting in. So, yeah, absolutely. I'd love I'd love to see a little more control on that for kids' yeah. stuff. I'm sure we'll find out more about this on Monday. Uh, Apple's WWDC coming up. We'll get in, we'll get all kinds of details about iOS and macOS there. Uh, meanwhile, engineers at the University of Toronto have developed a more energy efficient and therefore economical way to convert carbon dioxide into products like plastics or jet fuel. The idea is to capture carbon and use it for something else. The existing way to capture carbon in the wild. It's very elusive. <laughs> it really is. It just floats away. Uh, the existing way involves forcing CO2 through an alkaline liquid solution to create carbonate, a solid, which is then turned into a solid salt. Then that's heated to prepare it for transformation with a bunch of other chemical processes into the end products. But the new method uses a new electrolyzer design to turn the carbonate straight into 
into something called syngas, which is much more complicated to make on the other way. This is a cheap, efficient way to do that. And then syngas can be turned into plastics, jet fuel, etc. cetera. Uh, the team demonstrated the ability to convert carbonate to syngas at an overall energy efficiency of 35%, and the electrolyzer remains stable for more than six days of operation. So this is still a test, uh, but it's potentially a way to take something that people want to do to remove carbon from the atmosphere and do it in a way that's more cost efficient, which is always the biggest hurdle in a lot of these environmental technologies. Yes, Sarah. Well, no, I mean, it sounds great. All right. So, so, okay. So sure. Let, let's say this all works. Uh, in what way will this improve our air quality going forward? Well, I, that's a really good question. A lot of math needs to be done on the other end of, okay, if I'm making more plastic, what does that cause to do to, you know, what does that do to the environment? Uh, or is it just, We'll make plastic that we would make anyway, but we'll make it this way, which removes carbon dioxide. Uh, if you're making jet fuel, you're you're making jet fuel that is going to put more carbon dioxide into the atmosphere when it's burned. So Definitely. are you making more jet fuel or does it have an appreciable effect? I mean, the idea behind it's good, which is let's take carbon dioxide out and let's turn it into something useful. Uh, but not all of these things are going to be as good at removing carbon dioxide from the atmosphere as others. So we just need more plants is what you're saying. Yeah. Can we turn these directly into plants? Yeah. <laughs> Smarter plants. Let's all wear face masks. Problem solved. Plastic plants could probably be made out of syngas, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, this is, this is actually a pretty exciting advance uh, on, on a line that a lot of people think at least will be a, a plank in the ability to, to counteract the increasing amount of carbon dioxide. Yeah. And in no way am I like, ah, oh, that doesn't sound like it's a good idea. It sounds great. Um, these are one of those science stories where I'm like, okay, um, but how does it like affect our daily life? Yeah. And it's I, probably, I, you know, in, in other words, you might be able to buy some plastic items that, that get to say like this item was made by removing carbon dioxide from the air. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Therot.com reports that app researcher Jane Munchen Wong noticed a new feature in Spotify called social listening. If you scan a code from a friend, you'll then be able to play songs at the same time as them and tracks to play next and control playback. Everybody's doing it at the same time. You're listening to the same stuff. Once you're connected, your, uh, your friends will show up in a list that you want to join them with in the future. You can also share links to connect with friends instead of requiring a code to be scanned if you so desire. So... We talked about this uh, or in the pre-show as uh, a sort of a, a feature looking for a need. Uh, I mean, Chris, do you just do you, do you look at this and go, "Oh yeah, I've wanted to listen to you know playlist with Graham," uh, and we never could. This, until this now. screams to me like uh, a couple of developers had nothing better to do and money needed to be spent. You know, it's funny. I was on a plane recently and there were two girls in front of me. They were like, one had one earbud and one ear and they were sharing the same earbuds. They're listening to whatever they're listening to and they're singing and they're laughing. They know the lyrics. And it was like, it was so cute. And so that's what this is supposed to conjure up, right? Like the fun of listening to music that you love with your friends. But I feel like we've been 
trying to do this for years. Yeah. Uh, You know, like, do you want to watch the same TV show at the same time with your friends on Twitter? Well, there were some third party apps for that. I don't know where they are now. Yeah, we we used to have that uh, when we had broadcast television on certain times that uh, that aired. We we turned out we uh, didn't like it as much as being able to watch it whenever we wanted. So yeah. now we need all these apps and technology to go back to be able to watch something at the same time. And and so many times, like Blu-ray and Xbox have done the like watch with your friends, and everybody goes, "Oh, that's a cool idea," but people don't do it. No. Uh, no. And this is music, so maybe it's different. But I feel like the situation you're talking about, Sarah, is the one that people want. I want to be next to my friend, listening yeah. to the same thing and interacting in person. Not being in the same place, I think, removes some of that need. Although I've definitely uh, been involved in role-playing games like World of Warcraft, where people are all listening to the same music being piped into the chat channel or vent mm-hmm. or something like that. And everybody has fun doing that. So maybe there's something more with music well, here. I, I, I don't think, know. I think what you're talking about too, if you're like sitting next to someone, you want to listen to the same thing. I think the next generation of iPhones is going to have Bluetooth enabled where you it'll um, send the music to multiple AirPods at the same time. Sure. So I think that'll kind of have the same effect. Yeah. It's probably something we'll hear about on Monday as well. Yeah, I think I think we've all gotten used to uh, this, you know, appointment viewing, listening, whatever it is. We're all on our own schedule, and that's great. You know, we feel like we have more control than we ever had in the past. You know, unless you're talking about Game of Thrones or something where yeah, got got all watched at the same time. But but I I like this in theory. I I really sat down and tried to think about okay, well, when would I use this though? Really, like when is it so important that I'm listening to? a playlist with, you know, a cherished friend of mine who's not next to me. And I, I'm not sure I, I can come up with a lot of scenarios and it's not because it's not a good idea, but again, I just think we're, we're sort of beyond that. As, uh, we will you know, all be doing this for DTNS prep from now on. I'll be creating a playlist that all, all of us will have to listen to. <laughs> Doesn't include Des- Gloria. Designed, it's just Laura Brannigan's <laughs> Gloria. Over and and over and over. Uh, hey folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to dailytechheadlines.com. So, uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is open now in Anaheim, yep. California, uh, but you can't go unless you already have a reservation. Uh, yes. that, that's the case, right, Chris? And until June yep. 23rd, you have to have a reservation. Yes, and they're all, they sold out like within, I think, hours of them becoming available. I mean, the only way you could get one now in that time frame is you have to stay at the hotel, one of the Disney hotels. And so that's you your one. backdoor hack is to try to get a reservation at the hotel and then you can yes. get in? But, but again, good luck with that because I think that's already been hacked as well. Probably. Uh, <laughs> it's not coming to Orlando until August 29th, and it's set in Black Spire Outpost on yes. Batu. Uh, Chris, you got a chance to walk around, right? I did. I got I got to see preview and it was amazing. And uh, one thing I want to start with is that uh, because it was a preview, um, the technology was actually locked down. So we had to go in, put our phones in a bag and then keep them in our pocket for the entire time. And it was like going back a decade in time. You're in a theme park and you're waiting in line and no one is looking at a device. And it was really, (laughs) really surreal. Like, oh, people are waiting in line. They're talking to each other, making eye contact. This is insane. So uh, and a lot of the stuff on Galaxy's Edge, the technology wise, isn't even um, online yet. That's what's really incredible. Like I was talking to a friend of mine who works there and he was saying that it's going to be rolled out um, gradually. And they in the press releases because there's so much that isn't there yet. Like there's only one ride available right now, the 
Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run and the other ride, Rise of the Resistance, isn't available yet. But the technology in this entire land is amazing. One of the things that you notice as soon as you go in is that just because there's one ride, it doesn't matter. The entire land is the attraction. So you can spend your time just exploring every little nook and cranny of the land. And that's what's really going to be entertaining you there. Like right now, there's four hour windows that you have to go for the reservations. But we were there for five hours and we didn't even see everything. I mean, that's how large. It's 14 acres. Wow. Massive. It's a massive land. But I'll start with the Millennium Falcon ride because that's the one that's open right now and the new technologies that are in it. Um, you know, we've all been on Star Tours where you actually go in and it's a motion simulator and the ride can change depending on what videos get picked, which is interesting. But this takes it to like a next kind of level thing where you have six people in a um, in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon and there's roles that you play. There's two pilots, there's two gunners and two engineers, and each uh, person has something different to do. Like the two pilots are in the front and one of them goes left to right and one of them goes up and down. Mm. So they have joysticks. Although I will say the pilot on the right has the best job because he gets the lighter, the uh, light speed lever. So when they say jump to light speed, you get to pull the lever and actually go to light speed. So it's it sounds a lot like Space Team. Did you ever play Space Team on on mobile? I have not played Space Team. No. Space Team is you get a bunch of people and you can do it around kitchen table or at a restaurant or something, mm -hmm. and everybody gets a different thing and they have to shout commands to each other to get them to do it because everybody has a different role. It sounds like kind of that or that Star Trek simulator kind of situation. It's definitely got um, elements of that. The the thing, if I did have one uh, little criticism of it, because in that um, those different roles, some are not as in interesting and entertaining as the others. So if you're waiting in line for this ride for like a couple of hours and you get like, say, the engineer, you're not going to enjoy the ride as much as, say, as if you were the pilot, because you're the pilot, you're moving the ship up and down, left and right. The engineer, basically, when the pilots screw up and they damage the ship, then you're pushing buttons to uh, repair the ship. And the gunners on each side, they each have uh, turrets, but you can actually pick if you want um, automatic or manual. And the automatic, the guns will fire uh, uh, high, middle, and low, whereas manual, they'll go, you have to pick high, middle, and low as you fire them. Uh, the biggest uh, thing that I think could be improved upon, and it would be a simple fix, is the gunners don't get a, a joystick and a reticle uh, that you would have on a normal like space simulator. They base So basically, you're looking to the left, and figuring out which buttons to press instead of actually looking at the screen in front of you. So it takes your attention away from the actual ride, whereas the pilots are looking straight ahead and they're moving up and down and, and left and right. So that's one of the things I would say that might have been can, should be changed or designed a little bit differently. Uh, but, you know, that those are little, little uh, complaints aside. It's an amazing experience and it's an amazing ride. And it's scalable and it's also customizable. Like uh, how many years were we screaming like, oh, my gosh, I wish they would put a new uh, video on Star Tours. This one, they can put stuff in and out on the fly, like different missions and the way you react to the missions. And you could play the same mission and be pilot, gunner or engineer, and it'll be a different experience. And it sounds like a big arcade game, really. It is. It's a giant arcade game, but then it also tracks your progress. And if you have your uh, iPhone and you have the data pad that it actually turns into, it'll actually track the credits that you'll have won on the ride. Like if you do poorly, you might owe money to Hondo because you've damaged the Millennium Falcon. If you do well, you might uh, turn a profit and he'll respond depending on how well you do. Now, there is one effect that I didn't notice 
and I did ride the ride four times. <laughs> but uh, uh, when you get out, if you damage the Millennium Falcon a lot, like say you do really poorly, apparently like the lights will flicker like in the hallway when you get out. Like there's all these different little technological interactivities that there were some that we didn't even notice. Um, but even like little touches, like you come out of the ride queue and it looks like there's these giant fans spinning like uh, to get the air out of this giant warehouse. When you look a little closer, they're giant screens. Ah. So like, there's little effects here and there. You're like, okay, well then that means they could change or they could make that. They could do whatever they want on a lot of these things. Um, there's lights and sounds. And, you know, sometimes when you're, you're in the Millennium Falcon holding area, there will be like a short circuit. Then one of you can go to the side and like hit a button and it'll stop. Like there, there's all these great little touches, but from what I hear too, with the data pads that weren't uh, available yet, you have to download the Disney play app before you get there. And this is the one thing they're not telling you. So if you're on your way, make sure you do this, download the Disney play app before you get there, because it's so big when you get to the land, it won't download without Wi-Fi. <laughs> so there's going to be very disappointed people that didn't download it before they got to the park. That's a good tip. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, TechCrunch did a write-up on Smuggler's Run. Uh, apparently, it runs on the Unreal Engine, uses a real-time rendering system for multi-projection feedback across the five screens just inside yes. of the ride itself. Uh, mm-hmm. The cockpit is powered by a single box machine with eight NVIDIA Quadro P6000 GPUs in a Quadro SLI configuration. And it felt more like seven, but okay. <laughs> and apparently TechCrunch says that the work Disney did on the engine to make the ride work was sent mm-hmm. back to Epic Games and will inform how their engine ends up handling multiple GPUs in the future. There's no question because it's such a an innovative ride and structure. Like it's all of those things that, you know, you've kind of seen before, but put together in a different way and taken to the next level. You're like, oh, this is this is what the future of uh, these type of rides are going to be for sure. Uh, Because even just the little details in the cockpit, you feel like you're in the millennium Falcon, even though, you know, there's a screen in front of you, it doesn't matter. You get so immersed in the ride. It just, it feels real. There probably ought to be guides to tell people, you know, swap. If you like this, you want to be in control, swap to become a pilot. Cause there might be somebody who's like, that's too much pressure. I just want to be an engineer. (laughs) That's something I feel like they, they could work on there. One of the ways you can do that is not necessarily with the um, the cast members that help you, because before you get in, you basically get these cards that have your roles on them. So they pass out six cards randomly to you and your crew. And then that's where you can kind of swap out. Ah, like, okay. oh, I want to be pilot. I want to be engineer. I want to be uh, um, gunner. So I would say it's actually in a pretty good order. Like the pilot's the best, the gunner's the second, the engineer's probably the, you know, the, the least fun. I'm a little suspicious that they made you put your phones away when that's an integral part, a lot of the stuff I've read has been that when you have that Disney play app uh, mm-hmm. running and it gives you your credits, that yeah. that will also tip off cast members that you did the Millennium Falcon and how well you did. Yes. And, and they- that, you know, that, that I've read about too. Like if you go into the cantina, they might find you and uh, say, all right, well, who was just on the smugglers on? I hear you almost crashed the Falcon. Like that's definitely part of it. And, uh, um, there's also interactivity, like while you're waiting in line, when you have the Disney app and it turns into a, um, a data pad, you can scan cargo crates and find out like what's in them. Ah. Like things like you can activate droids. And there's a lot of areas, like, like I said, we did the preview, so not everything was online. Like I don't even know how to describe them. They're like just kind of show areas. You could call them like, you know, you can't actually go into them, but there's droids, there's a land speeder. 
but they're all set up for um, actors and cast members to come in and actually put on little shows that to make it like a living, breathing environment. Like we're just standing in front of a ship and, you know, Kylo Ren walks down and is like looking for a rebel, uh, you know, spy, like things like that to make it like living and breathing where, you know, in a normal Disney park, uh, okay, well, this is the character interaction. You have to wait in line, you see Winnie the Pooh in the woods and then, uh, and that's it. But it's not like that at all. This makes you feel like you're actually in uh, the outpost. There's no Mickey's. There's no minis. There's no Disney branding at all. <laughs> there's no line to take a picture with Kylo Ren. You just there's stand no, in the way. No, no. Well, and Chris, you said you you went through this five times, right? Yeah, four. Mm-hmm. four. Four times. Okay. So from the first where, you know, everything's new and exciting, you know, mm-hmm. to, to, to the fourth time where you, you're starting to kind of, okay, mm-hmm. there's some yep. unique things mm-hmm. that are happening. What? Well, I mean, for, for a, you know, a, a family, let's say my family goes to Disneyland and, and just does it the once. Um, right. do you, do you suggest that you need multiple rides? Yeah. And the, and it's, I have to say it's set up that way specifically for yeah. that and uh, for uh, multiple kind of rides through because, okay, well I was the gunner, but I'd really want to try the pilot and I want to see what the end sure. And, you know, it changes on how well you do, like, uh, depending on, you know, you're chasing a train, how many cargo uh, containers you could steal for, for Hondo. So the actual, uh, you know, because one of the things that um, kids like to do, and I used to do when I was a kid, too, well, I just want to play it again to see if I could beat my score. So that's the other reason to kind of um, try it again. And it's also it, it's built into everything. Like there's a piece of video game. There's a piece of motion simulator. There's uh you know, there's a piece of, uh, you know, a, a flight simulator. And, and all those pieces are just so really seamlessly put together that it kind of creates an experience. Because when I first heard, like, oh, well, isn't this just going to be Star Tours and a Millennium Falcon cockpit? And it, it isn't that at all. The only the only thing that's the same is that there's a screen and a place to sit. Everything else is different. Well, thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit. Unsurprisingly, Star Wars was part of our subreddit uh, this week. You can submit stories and vote on others at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. If you hang out on Facebook, good news for you. We have a group, facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. Let's check out the mailbag. Let's do it. Uh, Friendly Neighborhood Bill, self-described. Bill wrote in and said, Yesterday, Roger mentioned that there were three to four cross-platform Play Anywhere games. There are actually around 75 titles under that umbrella. It's mostly Microsoft published games, but a few third-party titles are in there, including Resident Evil 7, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, and Middle Earth Shadow of War. There are a bunch of great indie titles in there, too. People may want to check out Tacoma and Moonlighter. All right. Thank you, Friendly Neighborhood Bill. Appreciate yes. the, uh, the uh, extra information there. Before we go, we got to check in with Len Peralta, who has been uh, busily trying to figure out how he could possibly illustrate today's topic. Len, what have you come up with? <laughs> and you better believe it was a little bit crazy for me to do. This is uh, my mind is blown. I'm trying to figure out how to get there. Uh, one that's once it opens up in Orlando. And I guess what really got me is that this is something I've been trying to do since I was a kid, my son's age, seven years old, right? Ride the, you know, ride the Millennium Falcon. And uh, this is going to be me or everybody else who's going to go fly the Falcon of the Galaxy, Galaxy's Edge, you know, just trying to play it cool as best they can. That's pretty much right. everybody is trying to just play it cool and they go to the Galaxy's Edge. So uh, I don't know. Well, this, well, this, one, uh, of the thing, one of the things that's great about this picture, too, is it actually shows that, like, uh, you know, the actual Millennium Falcon is there. Like, before you go on the ride, you're just blown away. Like, oh, my God, this is what it looked like in my head the entire time. Right. 
a life-size Millennium Falcon that will make, no matter what age you are, if you're a Star Wars fan, walking close to that will make you feel like a kid again. I know. And that's going to blow, you know, I'm, and I'm trying to make plans to go out there when it opens in Orlando. But uh, this piece actually is going to be in my uh, online store uh, at lenperaltastore.com. Also, if you're a Patreon backer at the $5 level, you have this right now. It is there at my site and you can download it and print it out and get ready to get your tickets to Galaxy's Edge when you go. Excellent. Uh, thanks, Len. And also thanks to Chris Mancini. So good to have you. And let folks know where they can keep up with the rest of your wonderful work. Absolutely. It was great to be here. You can hear me every week on the Comedy Film Nerds podcast. And I have a new comic book out right now from Starburns Press. It's called Long Ago and Far Away. If uh, any of your um, viewers remember, I was on a while back uh, kickstarting it, uh, probably about a year and a half to two years ago. It is finally out now. It is a cross between... Um, the Narnia Chronicles of Narnia and Clerks about what if um, adult comic book owners actually went into a fantasy world instead of kids and they would probably make it worse because they're jerks. So, <laughs> so get out long ago and far away on comics. Oh, my oh, interest. Only a dollar ninety nine an issue. Long ago and far away. So you just go into Comicsology and look for it right now. Yes, please do. Fantastic. Go go check it out, folks. Uh, and don't forget, this is the last day of the month. So tomorrow is when we get your patronage support at patreon.com slash DTNS. Uh, we are uh, just looking pretty good at hitting our monthly goal of one more patron than last month. Uh, thanks to, uh, Bruce and Steve, uh, for keeping us up above. If you are been on the fence, this is the best time to join and become a member, uh, get an ad free RSS feed, special episodes from me. I've got one coming out tomorrow, uh, that just digs into arm. If you want to know what the arm chip designer is and why it doesn't make chips and how it works with Apple and all that stuff, that'll be coming into the feed at the five. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high volume, high speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit Anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then... Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, 
Visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. $5 and up level. You got to become a member to get it though. Patreon.com slash DTNS. If you have feedback for us, our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We're also live Monday through Friday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. Find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. See you on Monday, folks. Is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.